This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Charlie Harari show. It is an honor to be with you today feel very lucky to have the opportunity to be part of the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze, I got to tell you from the time that I've been introduced to it, has been a favorite of mine and the few times that I had the chance to fill in for some of the guests, from the hosts, I've encountered some of the greatest listeners and community that I've ever seen. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast and for making it a part of your day and I appreciate it and I'm honored by your listenership. I want to spend a couple of minutes um, in the first segment of the first podcast, explaining why I'm doing this and what I hope you can expect if you tune in week after week to this podcast, to this show. Um, I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to meet a wise man. This is someone that was a sage, an older man, a community man, somebody who was expert in, in faith and in scholarship and in philosophy. How I got to him is a whole long story. I was speaking at a youth organization for high school kids and trying to, you know, teach them about life and get them excited to really push themselves to be the mold they can be. And in the back of the room was somebody, an older man, not an older man, a father. You know, his his daughter was in the crowd. And when it was over, he came over to me and said, thanks for spending the time. He said, really? He goes, you know, what do you do? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney. I was a lawyer at the time. He said, so what do you, do? I mean, yeah, I, mean, you know, I come on the weekends. I, you know, this is my way of giving back a little bit. It's an honor to speak to the kids. And he goes, really? He goes, well, you did something really nice for my daughter. I wanted something nice for you. I said, okay, you know, always happy to take the generosity of somebody else. He goes, well, in this neighborhood, I was speaking um, at, a, I was in uh, Cleveland, Ohio at the time. He goes, in this neighborhood is a very wise person and he is a, a great sage. And would you like to meet him? I said, sure. You know, learn from somebody, someone who's got some experience, someone who's, an expert of faith? Yeah, absolutely. So he arranges the meeting and he goes, he takes me into um, this individual's office. And it's a gorgeous office, mahogany walls, books everywhere, books everywhere. And this wise man sits behind the desk. Uh, he, he couldn't have been any younger than 80, or 80 years old. And we've got, I don't know, five minutes. So what am I going to do in five minutes? You know, how, what can I get from somebody who is deep and philosophical? In just a few minutes. So, you know, we're talking and he said, where are you from and what do you do and why are you here? And I just gave him a little bit, you know, I grew up, you know, in this environment and, you know, I always felt like I had, you know, a lot given to me and I wanted to give back and, you know, talk to some high school kids and some of the younger adults and sort of give him a little bit of encouragement. So he said, that's really nice to hear. I said, let me ask you a question, sir. He said, sure. 
I said, if you could explain life, how would you do it? You know, kids always are asking me, you know, what's, what, what, what are we here for? What's life all about? When I asked him, if you could explain what life is about, what would you say? You know, I expect him to be like, ah, I don't know. I mean, in four minutes or less, like life for real? Like, you know, should I tweet it to you? Like, I expect him to be like, yeah, uh-huh, no. You know, come back for the next, I don't know, two years and I'll explain it to you. You know, and he didn't do that. He just sat back on his chair. I, he must, He just looked at me. And he said, you know, life is like a video game. Now I'm thinking, video game? This guy's 80. I don't think he's seen... I don't. The last video game I think he's seen is like the Commodore 64. Remember the Commodore 64? Remember that? Atari? Coleco? I don't remember ColecoVision. Remember those days? I said, a video game? He said, yeah. I'm like, I am listening. He said, you ever notice how a video game works? I said, no. He said, well, now they're probably too complicated for me, but you know, a few years back. Well, what happened is you'd have these guys that are coding, right, computer code. And they're basically writing rules that you have to follow. And in these major rules are all these scenarios and circumstances that get generated from these rules. I don't know if he's right or not, but it sounded pretty good, right? They're writing certain rules for how you shoot and where you go and how the boards are laid and the structure. And from how you're acting, it's just really interacting with preset rules that exist in the game. And the best gamers, he said, now it's amazing how a guy his age knew this, but he did. And I guess this makes him wise, even though he may not have ever played a game, he learned about it. Because the best gamers aren't people that are trying to figure out how to beat a board. They are people that are trying to figure out the rules, the code, the principles. They're trying to get into the mind of the game creator so that they can anticipate, so they can get ahead of the curve. That's what it means to play and win a video game. Life, he said, is very similar. We think that we are going through it and every day is a separate day. We think the circumstances around us are separate. They're disparate, right? What does an NBA game have to do with what I do at work? And what does the presidential elections have to do with my relationship to my children? Nothing. They're totally separate. What does a great movie that I saw and cried at have to do with how I see myself when I look myself in the mirror? Nothing. We see the world as a salad, if you will, of tons and tons and tons and tons of different separate vegetables that get tossed around every single day. And we go through the day dealing with all these little tiny pieces. And it's even more than it ever was before because now our pieces are in little emails. So not only is my day all broken up, now even my inbox is this guy and that guy and this woman and that woman. So it's a day filled with all these little pieces that at the end of it, I'm just so exhausted that I got through that I'm hoping and praying that I get to the weekend when I can just forget the pieces and distract myself entirely. And the greatest gift I'd get all, all, all year is not just the weekend. I'd get a vacation 
And a vacation is when I can just disappear from all of those little pieces entirely for a week. That's how we see life. Just different things every day, every month, every year. But maybe that's not how life works. Maybe life doesn't work as separate little pieces. Maybe there's a code. Maybe there's rules. Maybe there are principles that are placed in the world. And it is through those principles that everything manifests. Maybe there are certain basic principles that govern how life works and govern why you get inspired by a movie and why you wake up in the morning one day happy and one day upset. Maybe there are rules that we can look through a presidential election and say, hey, look at how this plays out. What a lesson that I can say, wait, I do that in my house. I'm sitting around criticizing the candidate for doing this, but I act the same way to my kids, to my boss, to my employees. Maybe the way the world works is that there are certain basic code that underline everything that we do. And if you just look past the circumstance, if you just look past the event, if you just look a little deeper, just peer behind the curtain of the news brief, you may be able to see a world that is actually not disjointed, but very much unified. A world that operates, if you will, on a matrix that seems to interconnect in ways that would even shock me and you. And that's the job of this podcast, this show. What we're going to do on this show is a whole bunch of things. But the underlying goal of this show is to connect dots, to not make the news just relevant, to not just make the news understandable, to make it personal, to try to understand what it has to do with my life. What does what they're saying on the radio have to do with what's happening in my day? Because if we can look at every single circumstance and we can not stop at the surface but ask and analyze and question and deepen and deepen and deepen what will happen is we will find a lesson a drop of wisdom that is hiding within the circumstance but if we can pull that lesson out and just dust it off and put it on the mantle we can look at it and we can use it as a guiding light for when we're in that circumstance. Or when we get the phone call from the family friend and we ask for advice. Or when we're sitting around the kitchen table or the dining room table and people are talking about this and that and the other. We can actually bring a perspective to what's going on in the world that is beneficial to not just the moment, but is beneficial in life. Maybe we can sit with our child or our parents, or our loved ones, and help navigate the most important parts of our lives because we are actually able to see 
the lessons of life right around us, glistening and glowing through what seems like a regular news cycle and a regular day and a regular bit of news. And that's the challenge that I want this show to embody. And that's my commitment to you, my dear listener. Should you stick with me? Should you listen? Should you be in touch with me? My, I will come every week and try my hardest to give you information in a way that I hope is presented from a little bit of a deeper perspective. To open up a dialogue to see the world in a new way. You know, I've always been wondered, I've always pondered the expression that history repeats itself. Why does history repeat itself? Maybe it's because we never seem to learn the lessons the first time. As the people change, as the land changes, as the books change, and we talk about what's happening in America and not France and not Germany and not Russia, as the clothes that people wear change, as the technology that people are using changes, we seem to forget that underneath it is the same thing. And so most people look at the world and go, that's not the same thing. Now we've got the internet, or this isn't France, or that's not what really they said, or that happened like this. If we start to look at the world and say, okay, okay, let's, let's clear out all that surface debris. This is pretty similar to what happened before. As we see the world in that way, we not only can learn the lessons of the past, we enable ourselves to not be destined to repeat it for the future. And that's my hope and my prayer, that each and every one of us learns the lessons from the past so that our future becomes better. Because our history is not our destiny. And our deep down desire is not just to live a good life, not just to live a great life, but to live a life that's awesome, to touch awe, to cross into a path that is so much better than the, the material sensory world that we live in right now. And one that can take us to a place of character and integrity, pleasure, and perfection. Stick with me. I hope we've got a great time together. I look forward to getting to know you. And I want to tell you, give you my email address, charlie at charliarari.com. You could tweet me at charliarari. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back, and we'll talk right away about what I think is the most important lesson, or at least the first lesson that I can remember. It's a lesson to start the show off, and maybe one that we are going through right now during the presidential election. This is Charlie Harari, and you're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? 
The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washer and dryer coverage. Just call Call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Let's jump right in. You know, what's been the topic of conversation, I think, amongst everybody over the past few months and weeks, and especially a few days, has been the presidential election. It seems like there's this unbelievable, rising, unstoppable force called Donald Trump that no matter what he does or what he says, seems like he is going to be the eventual nominee for the Republican Party, which is just crazy if you ask anybody in the Republican Party. And what I think has been the greatest question that I've dealt with is people have said to me, why do you care so much? Like, why are you not for Donald Trump? He's going to change things. He's going to do things. He's tough. He's a businessman. He says it like it is. Why is he not the candidate of your choice. Don't you want to shake up Washington? Don't you want somebody who doesn't have Washington-itis? Now, there's a lot in that statement, and the answer to a lot of those questions is, I don't know what you're even saying, but this is the number one thing that I think I keep on finding with Donald Trump, is that Donald Trump, and we're going to get to this later on in the show as to exactly how this is, But right now, in particular, Donald Trump seems to be failing in one major category that I just can't seem to get out of my head. When I was first in the mindset of getting married, I remember I was a young guy and I was, you know, dating somebody and I was interested in marriage and I was moving in that direction. I'll never forget I had a conversation with my grandmother. Um, and now I am, just to give you a background, I am the oldest son and the oldest grandson. So when I was starting the, the quest, if you will, of settling down, it sent shockwaves through my family, the first sort of grandchild to get married. So my grandmother sits me down and I went to visit her one Sunday afternoon and she says, so, you know, that grandmotherly so, which means in English, in grandmother English, when are you getting married and settling down and get, maybe getting me some great-grandkids? So, who were you dating? And I'm like, nobody. And then he gets to somebody and this and that. And gets a whole conversation. I could just see my grandmother's eyes just sort of lighting up. Like, you know, it just can't, you know, unbelievable. The joy that, you know, matriarchs get when their offspring start to settle down is unbelievable. So, we're talking about this and with that and with this and with that. And my grandmother's asking all the questions. Is she pretty and is she from and all that other stuff? And at some point she stops and says, Charlie, I don't care if she's pretty. 
I said, okay. She goes, I hope she's beautiful, but I don't really care. I said, okay. She goes, and I don't care if she has uh, money. I don't care if her family has any money or any means. That doesn't matter matter to me either. I said, okay, sure. I appreciate that. He goes, and I don't care pretty much anything about how smart she is. None of that stuff is, is what I care about. I said, all right. She goes, I care about one thing. And if you have this one thing, all the other stuff is good. But if you don't have this one thing, then no matter what else she is, she's going to bring you misery in your life. I said, okay, Grandma, you definitely have my attention. She says, she has to have a strong character. You have to look over to that person that you're about to marry and answer, answer one question. Do I respect her character? How she acts? how she speaks, her integrity. If you respect her character, then life's going to send you on a journey that you both have never, you both you both cannot even envision what life, where life is going to take you. There's no way of knowing. Kids and grandkids and mortgages and ups and downs. My grandmother's been through wars. She's moved into different countries. Sickness health, family. I mean, who knows what life has in store for any one individual. Some days you're up, some days you're down. Some days you have, some days you don't. Some days you're laughing, some days you're crying. It's a roller coaster. If you marry for beauty, if you marry for money, if you marry for brains, all that stuff can just go away. And then your love which was once conditioned on something, gets pulled away. If you marry somebody with character, she said to me in her grandmotherly voice as she was offering me more food to eat, then you know you're with somebody that can withstand anything. And you'll fight, and you'll grow, and you'll laugh, and you'll love life together. Now, that was advice that I got from my grandma. It's amazing advice. And when you think about who you work for, who you associate with, who you marry, is there anything more important than character? I don't think there is. Because character is the only thing that's going to take you to the goal line. Let me tell you my problem with Donald Trump. Is he a rich businessman? I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Is he someone that can clean things up? Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But I can tell you one thing that I know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, what we as a nation is are going through today in 2016 is not what we're going to be going through in 2018 and 19 and 20. Just not. We just have a different world. Anyone who voted for anybody knows that. Four years is a long time. You don't know what will happen. We don't know what will be with immigration. We don't know if the wall will get built or if we even need a wall or if we should want a wall. We don't know what will happen with terrorism around the world. We don't know any of these things. What we do know is that it's going to change. And so when people ask me, my son says to me, Daddy, what do you care so much? Why are you so going for the other candidates? How come you don't just allow yourself to like Trump? My question is my grandmother's question. We're getting a president. What do we think about his character? What do you think about his character? Well, 
what do you know about Donald Trump in terms of how he treats people and how he loves to take you to court and how we try to trademark the phrase, you're fired, and how he has conducted himself throughout this entire election process. Would you, if you were voting for character, vote for him? So why are the people so enamored by him? I believe I think I know the answer. And it's coming up as soon as we get back. You're listening to the Charlie Harari Podcast on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. The way the Democrats set up the system, and it's it is Byzantine, and the elect the uh, with all the different the, the delegates and states. But Democrats tend to have a more uh, the way they've set it up across the board. And we're speaking generalities here, but they tend to favor it. if there is an establishment candidate on the Democrat side. It, there there's a sort of a clear way that that's you know the electable person is meant to get through that process. Buck Sexton weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Talking about Donald Trump, character, and what we're looking for in a leader and a person. And I want to talk a little bit about why is it that people care about him so much? I mean, you look around and you say to yourself, we are filled with incredible people in this country. This is one of the greatest countries, if not the greatest country in the world. And everywhere you go, from sea to shining sea. You see great people, hospitable, welcoming, wonderful. I mean, not everybody, but lots and lots and lots of people. And yet, 30% of them, at least, if not maybe a little bit more, are voting for Donald. And I don't think anybody would argue that his character isn't one to be necessarily in awe of. And so why are people so enamored by Donald Trump? And it took me a while to fully understand this, and I've spent an enormous amount of time trying to figure out the Trump phenomena. What does Donald Trump say about us as a society? Because there's a famous saying that basically says that the leaders reflect the values of the people, or else they wouldn't be leaders. You couldn't possibly have a leader come in unless they are in some way riding the wave of what's going on with their constituents. And so what is going on in America today that gives rise to a population that is just enamored with somebody who will build a campaign on making fun of people, who will say things that if any one of us found found out that our kids said it, we would literally punish them. We would be embarrassed for our spouse or our parents to have said these things. And in fact, some of the things that come out of his Twitter account are things that I am just, I just continue to be shocked. And yet for us, there's a sizable portion of this country that seems to be okay with it. What is Donald Trump peddling and why are we buying it for him? And so I remember at a couple, I actually had the opportunity last week to be filling in for Buck Sexton. I said this on his show as well. Um, And it's a story that I'll I'll remember my whole life. I remember when I was first starting my career, I was working for a big law firm. And the way these big law firms work is you come in as an associate, you know, and they they pretend that you're important, but you're not. 
And the whole job of an associate is to sort of just sort of be this glorified, you know, intellectual gopher. And the way in the, 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 the hierarchy of these firms is one in which you've got, um, you know, these partners that are like, you know, it's demagogues. You know, they give you like a book when you first get there of like all the partners and their pictures. And it's incredible. So there was one case that I was working on with one of these young upstart you know, sort of legendary partners. And what made this guy so, he was like a litigator and he was like just so smooth and smart and he won all these cases and everybody loved him. Um, and what made him even better was that he come, came from a very, you know, impoverished background. His his mom was a single mom and, you know, worked her tail off to take care of him and his siblings. And he really sort of rose out and went to a great law school and, you know, he's got this great career. So as luck would have it, or as it was divinely ordained, um, we had this trial taking place in Los Angeles, and he needed, like, you know, a glorified gopher, an associate, to sort of fly with him, to sort of, like, you know, get his papers and documents and, you know, whatever. So I volunteered. Why not spend, you know, time with this guy? I'm a big believer that you can learn more from great people when they're not on than you can when they are. So... The firm says, great, I work at the tickets, and we're flying out to L.A., sitting in the airport, and we get there, we check in, and, you know, we meet up, and, you know, he's, like, totally busy. He's got phone calls, and he's got conference calls, and he's, like, looking at his stuff, and he's, like, just, like, yeah, whatever. I don't even know who you are. Nice guy, but just, like, totally uninterested in me. And we're, we're, we're walking through the terminal in JFK, and as we're walking down this terminal, um, there is a Hudson News right there, right? So there's... Um, this, you know, I, I love Hudson news. I have this, like, I'm, I'm like a self-help junkie. Like, you know, I'm getting over it as I get older. I think I've gone through these so many times that I can, I can almost sort of recite the next chapter before it comes. But at least at the time I was just like, just pouring over these, these, these books. So I might, my head is, I'm walking through it and like, it just, that was what I used to do. If I, if I ever like was on an airplane for more than three or four hours, I was buying a book, reading it and like, you know, you know trying to like figure out how to like, you know buy real estate with no money down in like, you know, 30 days, you know what I'm saying? Like find a way to lose 50 pounds before I land, um, while I'm eating the peanuts, um, on the airplane. So we're, we're walking by the thing and like my head, as my feet are walking through, I see the Hudson news, my head sort of like swivels, you know, as my body continues to walk as I'm like looking and like salivating at this, you know, Hudson newsstand and like all these different new books that are out there with their nice red covers promising me riches without working. So he sees me do this and gets wind of it and says, hey, you want to stop in there? I said, yeah, I, yeah, I don't have to. I mean, of course, I'd rather read a legal document on the way to L.A. Of course, He's like, no, nah, it's fine. I got to get something to eat. We'll stop in. So we go in and he grabs some, some snacks and I'm like figuring out what, what my book is going to be. He looks at me and goes, so you buying something? I said, yeah. He said, really? You read this stuff? I said, yeah, I love this stuff. I mean, honestly, like, I, I am so, you know, enamored by the content here, blah, blah, blah. So he looks at me and goes, not me. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, I should have figured. I said, really? How come? He goes, well, it violates my mother's rule. I'm like, it does what? He goes, yeah, it violates my mother's rule. I said, what's your mother's rule? She go, he goes, you always buy the textbooks. I said, all right, what are you talking about? He said, you know, my mom was a school teacher. She literally was a teacher. And with her one teacher's salary, she supported us. 
And we all were really ambitious as kids growing up. Like we all, you know, we had it in us that we can do anything and be anybody. And, you know, we really were, me and my brother and my sisters, we really were very, very focused as kids to climb out of our, our situation and sort of climb up the ladder. And so we would like always go to the library and bring back all these books that like were like get rich quick and you know all these different stuff. My mom would tell us don't read that. And what she would do is at the end of every single one of her semesters, she would gather all the textbooks and bring them home and make us read the textbooks. Now, textbooks are super boring. So we'd like complain and she would say, listen to me, what you become is a detail, right? It's just a circumstance. It's who you become along the way that matters, right? Whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, that's a detail. It's the character. It's the person underneath that, that is going to make you who you are. Every one of us when we want to be successful, we'll choose the easier route to get that success. If someone gives you two choices, the long way and the short way, you're always choosing the short way. And so on your way, if you have a choice between reading a textbook or reading one of these best-selling self-help books, you're always choosing the self-help book. And then as you get older, of course, this happens to us all the time, right? How many of us grew up on Cliff Notes? Right? Remember those days? Cliff Notes? Of course, if I can read the Cliff Notes, or if I can see the movie uh, rather than watch the book, I'm watching the movie. Right? And if I can just pretend to watch any movie, and even if the facts aren't even right, and I'll do it. Whatever is the easiest way in to get what I want, I'm going for it. But, she said to this partner when he was little, if you train yourself to read the textbooks, you're going to start to build the muscle of your mind. And you're going to start to realize that it is the hard way that's the way that's going to get you to where you need to go. You're going to start to think deeper. You're going to start to push your mind. And when you push your mind, you're going to learn stuff that you never thought were relevant. And you're going to look at everything. And you're go your mind's going to get strong. Ask a guy who can't, who's never done a push-up, do five push-up, he's never going to do it. Put a guy through the Navy SEAL, so do 200. How come? It's not because he was born with a proclivity towards push-ups. It's because his body isn't adapted to it. Adapt your body to push-ups, you'll do push-ups. Adapt your body, your, sorry, adapt your mind to thinking deeply, to fighting, to getting involved in difficult situations, to managing to survive in complexity, to sitting longer than you than you think you can, to studying when you want to give up, to biting your tongue when you want to say something, you adapt your mind, then no matter where you go in life, you know you'll always be ahead. And that's what he's told me. He's used everywhere. He's always taken the more difficult path, always read the harder stuff, always picked the things, the subjects that he wanted to be great at, and didn't read the book off the shelf. Maybe read five of them. But he really spent the time to learn it so he can become the best at it. The idea that we are looking for the easy way to get what we want is what has happened to us over the past decade. You know, the self-help industry 
is an $11 billion industry for a reason. Because every day we see things we want. Every day on every show, everywhere. We are being shown people that have the things we want. That have the money we want. That have the looks we want. That have the clothes, the body, the relationship, the marriage, the happiness. You, everywhere you look, there's someone acting in a way that makes us believe that they have the things that we want. So we want to get them. And there's two ways to do that. There's the hard way. Getting to work. Being creative. Adding value. Making ourselves into an invaluable asset to our company. Saving. Studying. Going to the gym. Eating healthy. Coming home, speaking to our spouse in a certain way, taking classes about marriage. We can do these things. Going online, taking courses, building our minds. We can have things. We may not be able to be billionaires. We can have more. We can be more. We can touch happiness. But there's the choice. The choice between working for it or just feeling like we're getting it because someone's going to sell it to us for 49.99 in three easy installments or your money back guaranteed we can either think about it and put it into practice or we can buy a book that'll tell us how to do it you want to really be in real estate you want to really be rich no money down we're going to teach you something and all you got to do is fly from New York to L.A. and you can all get it. It's only 50 pages. Come to my course and you'll figure out life. Now, some of these courses are actually very good and they give you some principles and insights. I'm not, t I'm not t downplaying this stuff. But that's what we're relying on. Well, how do you know it's going to work? We have no idea. Oh, that person looks successful to us. There's always a person on the book in a nice looking suit. With some resume that is like you know a little bit of a little bit of a trumped up resume over there, that and we go well they have it. Look at where they're living. But they written a, they wouldn't have written a book if they weren't the expert. They must be it. We don't even look in their credentials. We have no idea what's going on. You see a person with a little success, they promise it to you easy, and we are like Pavlovian dogs. We just love it. We salivate for it. Now watch this election. And you got choices. You've got candidates. We're down to four candidates. We were at five just a few days ago. We're at four right now. From the, At least from what I'm taping this, we're at four. And you've got candidate after candidate getting up and saying, here's what's wrong with America. The policies are wrong. The constitutional integrity is off. We're not fighting for conservatism anymore. The government's too big and spending is overwhelming us and it's, there's a debt that's going to crush us. There is a welfare state forming from within and people are not working. They're just letting the government sort of ride them through. There is illegal immigration that's sucking away from the hard work from our own, from our own people. There are issues that we need to deal with, from social to economic to what's going on across the world, terrorism. Let's discuss these issues. 
let's get into the, the complexity and see which one of these policies, if put into place over the course of a presidential career, will actually make change. That's like saying, you get, you're too fat? Let's talk about eating healthy and going to the gym every single day for a year so that you lose your weight. You do that for a year, you'll lose that weight and it'll be off forever. That's option A, the textbook option. But there's option B. And what's option B? Don't even think about it. I'll fix it all, $29.99 or your money back. Let's make America great. Well, how? Uh, don't even <laughs> stop. Just let's make, well, how are we going to make America great? Let's make it great. Just just stop. Just make great. How are you going to make great? Look at me. I'm rich. I'm successful. Look at my suit. Look at my jet. I know what I'm talking about. Let's make it great. How? You have no idea how great it's going to be. How? You have no idea. How great this Donald Trump actually has said this in interviews. You have no idea how great how are you gonna move all the immigrants out like you say you are? You have no idea how good this is gonna be. And how are you gonna pay for the wall that Mexico says they're not gonna pay for? You have no idea. This is a infomercial. Now, I thought to myself, why is Donald Trump winning so much? And the answer, I believe, is because Donald Trump has more experience than all the other candidates combined. I would argue that Donald Trump has more experience than Cruz, Rubio, Kasich combined. It's just in a different area. You see, while those three were involved in government, Donald Trump was involved in infomercials. That's what he does. Reality shows. He's selling stuff. His job is to sell you on why you should move into one of his buildings or stay at one of his hotels to feel successful. His job is to figure out how to get you to think that when you come into his world, you are successful. His job is to sell you on a dream. He's an infomercial guy. That's what he does for a living. Even in his company, you understand that most of his net worth is tied into what he calls brand equity. Right? He claims he's a he's worth ten billion. You understand that $3 billion, at the very least, is not worth $10 billion, but let's say $3 billion, his company maybe, but it's not him. It's millions, it's thousands of people, and it's probably even not him. It's probably the, the real estate that's worth the money, right? If you own a piece of a building and the building is worth a billion dollars, you're not worth a billion dollars. But, you know, who wants to sort of what? Who wants to go into the details here? He even himself says that $3 billion he has given for what he calls brand equity, which means my brand. He's been selling you on his brand. Now, this is the ultimate infomercial. And I, you, you, can't, you can't make this up. The ultimate infomercial right here, taking place in front of our very eyes. Trust me. Just trust me. Right now, all you got to do is turn a lever, and America's going to be great. How will it be great? Don't think that hard. Here's the easy way out. Here's the pill. Just take it, and I'll handle the rest. And i got to tell you something. We are falling for it hook, line, and sinker. And like the books you buy and the gimmicks you make and that ab machine that you put around your abs that sort of shook your abs. Remember those like 10 years ago? That never actually worked. The problem here is that you can't wake up in the morning and get a refund. This is what could possibly be 
the president of our country. When we come back, we're actually going to talk about how you build habits of success. We're going to take a piece out of the playbook of one of the greatest NBA players, a man named Stephon Curry, Steph Curry, and learn how he became who he became. We'll conclude the show with a little clip from a coach that actually saw Steph when he was younger and knew right away he'd be a talent. It's all coming up. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. I want to go ahead and play a little bit of Hillary Clinton's victory speech last night. Instead of building walls, we're going to break down barriers and build... I just realized I can't take it, folks. I won't be able to. Four years of that, hearing that voice, that killing cat sound, cat caught in the fan belt sound of the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the Charlie Harari Show. Thanks so much for tuning in on our first episode. Spent much of the episode talking about character. What could be a greater way to start than talking about building one's own character, looking for somebody with character, not getting thrown by some of the more surface things that we're seeing in people, and more importantly, not taking an easy way out. Seeing life as a longer journey and realizing that it is the tougher choices that usually get us to the character that we become no matter what life, wherever life takes us. And I wanted to end the show with one person, a guy by the name of Steph Curry. If anyone's a, if you're a basketball fan, you for sure know who he is. But if you're not, let me give you a two-minute, two-second sort of background. And I want to play you a clip that I found about him. Steph Curry is a kid that grew up. His father was an NBA player. And when he grew up, he was too short to be considered to be good. Way too short. High school, they pretty much wrote him off. College, he went to not a great college. And in his head, he had in mind that he was going to be a superstar. And he has become the most exciting player in the NBA. He has become one of the greatest players ever. Mostly because of his ethic. And I found a clip of a coach that was at a training camp with Steph Curry when he was younger and saw him then and said something about his work ethic that sticks with me every single day. Check this out. It was all because of his work habits. Now, those skills academies, we would have two workouts a day for three straight days. 30 minutes before every single workout, most players were still in their flip-flops and had on their headphones, and Steph Curry had already started doing some form shooting. He had already started taking game shots from game spots and game speed. By the time the workout officially started, he had probably already made 100, 150 shots and was in a full sweat. When the workout actually started, he was meticulous with everything that he did. He made sure that he had perfect footwork. He made sure that he had perfect shooting form. If he did anything and it wasn't perfect, he did it over again. And he didn't need a coach to tell him, he just did. And, and the moral of that story is that success is not an accident. Success is actually a choice. And Stephen Curry is one of the best shooters on the planet today because he has made the choice to create great habits. And my question to you is, are the habits that you have today on par with the dreams that you have for tomorrow? That's the question. Are the habits that we have today 
creating the tomorrow that we want. What's my day look like today? What am I doing right now? What am I doing in my life to build the character, to build the tomorrow that I want and that I'll dream about? And that's what the show is all about. And we thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of it. To take our lives from good to great to awesome. You've been listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Can't wait to see you next week. It's not just about the facts. It's about perspective. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.